The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. As you know, if you've been following our podcast recently, we've been in a series on the Church of God. We've been calling it the Kingdom of God series because this is the very kingdom that Jesus and John the Baptist both preached was at hand when they began their earthly ministry. As we've dealt with this subject, we've been looking at the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church that were adopted in 1847 when the church was constituted. This year marks the 175th anniversary of the Constitution of Zion Church, and these same Articles of Faith are still our Articles of Faith today. In the last message, we began to deal with Article 3, which reads as follows. We believe in the doctrine of election, predestination, and the final perseverance of the saints through grace, and that God chose his people in Christ before the world began. In the last message, we set forth some things that we do not believe about the doctrine of election. We don't believe that all things are predestinated. In fact, election and predestination only apply to people, not to events. We saw that the teaching of double predestination is wrong as well. That is, God predestinated a people to go to heaven, but he did not actively predestinate people to go to hell. As a matter of fact, we don't need God's help getting to hell. Adam sent us on our way very well when he sinned in the garden. We also saw that the concept of a chosen few is foreign to the scriptures. Beloved, there's not just a chosen few children of God. We're told in the book of Revelation that it's a multitude that no man can number. And those people are out of every kindred and nation and tongue and people. And finally, we saw that The idea that there's someone out there who really has a sincere desire to go to heaven but can't because he wasn't chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world is patently false. There is no such person. Everyone who has their hope in Christ is a person who was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and has been quickened by the Holy Spirit. So having dealt with what election is not, today we begin to deal with what election is. We're going to look at the definition of the doctrine of election, the fact that it is a reality in God's Word, and we're going to see some beautiful truths regarding this wonderful doctrine that is still believed by Zion Primitive Baptist Church. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Sing 
This morning, I want to go back to our series that we've been doing on the kingdom of God. You may recall last time we had started looking at Article 3 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church that were adopted in 1847. That's 175 years ago uh, this year. Those Articles of Faith, we believe, were based upon the Word of God. And one of the reasons, in fact, the only reason we haven't had to change them through the years is because they were based upon what thus saith the Lord. And that's amazing because in our day and time, there are many uh, churches that have amended their articles, have changed their articles, and have moved away from some of these very same articles of faith that we have here still at Zion Primitive Baptist Church. I mentioned last time that there's several Baptist churches in our area that were constituted in the early 1900s and the 1800s, and their articles of faith when constituted were almost identical to those of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. But of course, many of those have moved away from the teachings, especially the teachings on grace that we're talking about this morning. Article 3 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church reads as follows. We believe in the doctrine of election, predestination, and the final perseverance of the saints through grace, and that God chose his people in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now last time we dealt with some things we don't believe. Uh, it's very important that we understand that we don't believe in absolute predestination that God predestinated events and occurrences. We're told in the Word of God that predestination applies to His people. It doesn't apply to the events of life. And there was a problem at this church and many others in this area at one time for many, many years where the teaching was that every single thing that occurred was predestinated by God, including sin. You know, the problem with that is, first of all, it's not in the Word of God. <laughs> it's a misunderstanding of Scripture's. But secondly, it also makes God the author of sin. God is not the author of sin. I want to affirm to you he is holy. Holy and reverend is his name, you see. He is just and righteous. We also looked at double predestination, the fact that God didn't predestinate some to heaven and then actively predestinate others to hell. We didn't need God's help getting to hell. <laughs> We're, we're, we're headed that way because of the sin of Adam. You want to know why all the problems occur in life today? Look at Adam. Now, yeah, we can say the devil made us do it, but the truth is Adam is the one that plunged us into sin, not the devil. The devil tempted Adam, and he is certainly our adversary, but we don't believe in double predestination. Something else we talked about last Sunday night, and I apologize to those of you who I said last Sunday morning I was only going to preach this on Sunday morning. I've got to quit saying things like that because the Lord leads and I have to follow. <laughs> so Sunday night we talked about the fact that we're not part of the chosen few. In fact, we believe there's a vast multitude that no man can number of God's children out of every kindred and nation and tongue and tribe. We see that clearly from Scripture. So we've seen some of the things that we are not, that, that, that election is not. But let's talk this morning about what the doctrine of election is. So the first thing I want to look at, let's go back to, um, to Romans chapter 9, and we're going to read in verse 10. Uh, jumping in the middle of something here, but understand it is about uh, God is taking two children and he is using those children as representatives as he often did throughout the scriptures of the children of God who are, who are also called the elect of God and those who are not children of God who are also called the non-elect. 
And in verse 10, he says, not only this, but when Rebekah had also conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Now, I want to stop there and just say this. The doctrine of election is a reality in God's word. It's a reality in God's word. And I know that doctrine often causes disagreements and even arguments and anxiety. But let me just say this to you, child of God. If you believe the doctrine of election, just remember this. Paul told the young preacher Timothy over there in the second chapter, I believe, of 2 Timothy. He says, the servant of the Lord must not strive. If you find yourself striving, just back off. Just, just drop it, okay? Because you're never going to argue any. I've never argued anybody into the kingdom of God. You know it. But the doctrine of election, nonetheless, is a reality in God's word. Here, he's about to tell us about the purpose of God according to election. Now, I say that because in so many pulpits throughout the world, the doctrine of election is ignored and not preached. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to uh, of, of, of churches of other orders that I'd say, well, what, are you, what does your preacher preach about this? Well, I don't ever hear it. I've never heard that. I've never heard that. And we said often here at this church, our battle is for the minds of God's people, right? We believe God wins the battle of the heart through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to quicken one and make one alive. But then it's our job as the uh, disciples of Christ, as the church of the living God, to try to educate and to teach. And to, That's what Jesus said. Go forth. He said, teach all nations, all things whatsoever I've told you. Teach them these things. And sometimes that means unteaching some things that maybe they've heard in other places that, that aren't the right interpretation. So, but, but here's my point this morning. The doctrine of election is a reality in God's Word, and you've got to do something with it you've either got to ignore it which many people do many preachers do you can reject it you can try to explain it away or I hope by the end of this series we'll be able to say you know what I accept that that's the word of God I believe that and by the way I, I'll say it this way I don't believe in a, an emotion-based uh, ministry okay our feelings will betray us. Our feelings will, will really, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things, Jeremiah said, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Don't, go, don't make decisions based on your feelings, okay? But by the same token, I wouldn't give you a dime for a religion you, that you can't feel. Brother Ricky Harcrow said that one time. I've never forgotten it. I wouldn't give you a dime for a religion you can't feel. And, beloved, I believe when you understand election in its accurate interpretation you will feel a sense of peace a sense of comfort that you'll not feel anywhere else so the doctrine of election let's talk about it for for a few minutes as i said it's a reality in god's word i did a little word search the word elect or election appears 27 times in 27 verses in the king james bible Two times it's referring to Jesus. That's in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 1 and 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6. One time Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, 21, he, ref he refers to the elect angels. All the other times it's referring uh, to God's people. The word predestinate appears four times in the King James Bible. 
twice in Romans 8 and verses 29 and 30, and twice in Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 5 and verse 11. And in all four of these, by the way, I believe they refer to the same thing. If you'll, I'm not going to take time to turn there, but if you'll read it, it talks about being predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto himself. If you'll, it talks about the inheritance that we're predestinated unto. That's over in Ephesians. If you turn back sometime to Romans chapter 8, you'll read about what that adoption is. We're waiting. A whole creation and, and the, the new creature within us is waiting on the adoption to wit. In other words, I'm going to explain what the adoption is. The redemption of your bodies. The redemption of our bodies is going to occur in the resurrection when we are conformed to the image of his son. And that's what he says in Romans 8 and verse 29. Uh, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. What? To be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, when is that going to happen? We're not conformed to the image of his son yet. But one day we're going to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, yes, when we die, our spirits will go home to be with the Lord. And in, that, in, in one sense, we're conformed to his image in that way, in that we're perfect and no longer defiled by the sin nature. But one day we're going to be actually literally conformed to the image of his son when the resurrection occurs and the body is reunited with the spirit and the body is transformed into a perfect body that has no sin It has no problems with temptation. Not that body that Paul cried out, uh, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And that day we will bodily be in the presence of the Lord in a perfect body, in a perfect state without the sin curse, conformed to the image of his son. That word predestinate, as I said, occurs four times. Throughout the Bible, if you'll read, especially in the New Testament, when Jesus is speaking at different times, Jesus makes reference to his, or references made to his people. Uh, Jesus talks about them that thou hast given me when he's praying to the Father often. And all, all over the place, turn, turn with me back to John chapter 6, for example, but all over the place, Jesus is talking about not everyone of all of Adam's posterity, but he's talking about certain ones that were given to him by the Father. Notice in John chapter 6 and verse 37, Jesus says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And he goes on to say, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. But notice this, This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Notice what he's saying, All that the Father giveth me, all which he hath given me. See, when Jesus came here to this earth, he already had a people. He already had something that had been given to him. He didn't say, I hope, Father, you give me somebody one day, or I hope they come to me so that I can have a people. He said, hey, I'm here, and all that the Father giveth me shall come unto me. By the way, we'll talk about that in another message when we talk about another one of our articles of faith about the new birth. But I believe verse 37 is a reference to the fact that the Holy Spirit will indeed quicken every single one of his children at some point between their conception and death. I believe that is what it's referring to. All that the Father 
giveth me shall come unto me. You see, he had a people. He had been given. You know, I, you don't have to turn back over there, but back over in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 11. Over there in that great, we call it sometimes the gospel according to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53. I love that chapter. He talks about, by, he says, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Well, what's he talking about there? You know, most of the time, people in the world will teach you that you've got to know the Lord. Do you know the Lord? Do you know him? Have you done what's necessary to come to know him? Have you taken the right steps uh, to, to, to be able to know the Lord? But the truth is, what matters is, does he know you, you see? Over in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19, I believe he brings us the explanation of what uh, Isaiah 53 and verse 11 was talking about. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19 says this, the found, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. Okay, I'd like to kind of know what the seal of my salvation is. The, the foundation that I stand upon, I need something to seal that. So, is it what I did? Is it something I, some choice I made? Because I tell you, I hope that's not the case because if it is, uh, I can tell you I made some very poor choices in my life. And even the good choices that I made were tainted with the sin of Adam. You know, I've never done one good thing that was completely good without any impurity in it. <laughs> even when I've done the best that I could possibly do, there's a little part of me there's a little part of that decision that's self-focused. There's a little part, you know, I've told, I know I've told you before, church, that, uh, you know, I, I try to do things that are, um, that are, that are, are quietly uh, uh, charitable, you know, that are, that, are, uh, that are helpful to people and not let people know about it. I, I've, I've done a few anonymous uh, things in my life, you know, but, but the truth of the matter is, in my heart of hearts, I really hope somebody finds out about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do you not understand? You get it? I mean, that's, you know, I really, I want to do it. I want to be, I don't want people to know about it. I want to do it just to be doing the right thing. But boy, it sure would be nice if somebody found out about it. And then I could say, oh gosh, you know, <laughs> I just did what anybody would do. You know, that's, isn't that, isn't that what we're tainted with? Don't we have that problem? I have that struggle. I'm self-focused. I've got a PhD in me. I don't have to worry about, you know, selflessness does not come naturally. How many of you that have children ever had to teach your children how to be selfish? <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> you know, what was the first word mine learned? Mine, mine, mine. We're watching, I, I got to pick on Mason. We're watching videos of him and Asher together sometime back. And it's the funniest thing. He had about, he had about 10 or 12 little trains out there. Mason did. I'm picking on you, Mason. Um, he had 10, he was about, I don't know, they were three or four, two or three years old and, uh, had 10 or 12 little trains out there and, uh, and Mason couldn't carry them all. He, you know, he had plenty to share, but every time Asher would pick one up, he's not mine. And he, next thing you know, his arms are overflowing with all these trains that he can't even play with. You know why? Now it's not just Mason. I just happens that we were watching that video recently. It's all the kids and it's you and me. It's you and me. Remember what brother Ronald said yesterday? Our nature is not what my, what's mine is yours. Our nature is what's mine is mine. And I'm sorry to tell you, it's even worse than that. Our nature is like that thief on that road there where the good Samaritan finally came along. What's yours is mine. See, I really want what you got <laughs> down in my heart of hearts in that natural man. 
You see, I hope it's not about choices that I make, you see. But it's, it's, it says the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal. And praise God, it didn't say you did the right thing. No, it says this seal is the Lord knoweth them that are his. What knowledge is it? He said, by, my, by, my, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. What knowledge is that? By the knowledge of those that are his. Do you know that our names and our very being were graven in the palms of Jesus' hands? We're told we are written in his hands as he hung there on the cross. He knew who he was dying for. You know who it was? All that the Father giveth me. You know, that's what I've said before many times. That if you want to know what primitive Baptists believe, and you don't have long to talk about it, the best summation I know of it is Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. When the angel tells Joseph, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, which pretty much all Christian denominations believe that, but, but primitive Baptists believe that last one too. It says, for he shall save his people from their sins. From their sins. Let me just throw this back in, remind you of this, throw this in here for good measure. Before you get too far down the road of struggling with, well, wait a minute. Are you telling me there's somebody out there who would love to go to heaven, has a sincere desire for Christ, who loves his kingdom, but yet because they weren't chosen in Christ, they cannot be in heaven one day. You know, that's the other thing I told you last time that we don't believe. We don't believe in that person. That person does not exist. The person who has a sincere desire for Christ, the person who has a love for his kingdom, the person who exhibits the fruits of the Spirit, that's one who you can say has been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, you see. So don't go down that road because that's not what we believe here either. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.